0: This is the Going in Circles Podcast, hosted by Horseman Chuck Simon. To become a sponsor, to suggest topics or for questions, email Going in Circles Podcast at gmail.com. And log on to our Facebook page, Going in Circles Podcast. Here's your host, Chuck Simon. Hello everyone. Welcome to Going in Circles Live. It's our first edition in the month of March. We got through January and February okay. Uh, a little bit of March madness heading heading to us soon. It's been a, kind of a crazy year in racing. We, <laughs> uh, I, I would think that most years you would think that uh, the biggest topping in racing the first week in March would be derby preps or uh, maybe the Dubai World Cup that's coming up or something, you know, Santa Anita Handicap, something racing like that or maybe the the two-year-old in training sales which begin uh, the 16th of March at Ocala at OBS uh, followed up two weeks later on March 31st at Gulfstream uh, the Fazig Tipton sale which kicks off their um, two-year-old sale season. But in a strange quirk of fate, we are not talking about that. As the, our number one topic, our the topic in horse racing throughout the world is about a picture, and that picture is um, a disgraceful picture uh, of a Irish steeplechase trainer, a very, very highly rated. Top dog type of steeplechase trainer who, um, who had his picture taken while he was sitting on a dead horse of his and the picture was tweeted out with uh, the caption of, uh, you know, new ride or something like that. And it was, a kind of a shocking thing to see, um, a little less shocking from the standpoint of most people in this country don't know who this guy is. Um, so it's it's not as though it was uh, someone that's recognizable, but the whole uh, perverse nature of the picture itself, uh, you know, unfortunately, caught, nude, caught wind of uh, the mainstream media because of its shock value and it's become a major scandal, um, where everywhere that horse racing is conducted, um, is going to have to, uh, face the music a little bit because of things like this. And this is how our sport is unfortunately sometimes only brought to the mainstream, to the non racing people, uh, in this fashion when, when something bad happens. And, uh, we're gonna have Sean Clancy on. He's going to be our only guest today. Uh, and believe me, if you have, it, Sean is is plenty, plenty. Um, Sean is a uh, a longtime friend of mine. He is uh, a writer, editor, publisher, and owner of St. Publishing with his uh, his brother Joe Clancy, um, their partner Tom Law. They they're probably best known for the. The really great newspaper that's uh, the daily paper that's put out during the Saratoga season, the Saratoga Special, uh, Sean's a, a tremendous ride, uh, <laughs> a tremendous writer. I almost said tremendous rider. He certainly was a good rider. Um, he was a steeplechase rider for for several years, but um, I think, admittedly, he would say he's even a, a better writer than he's a rider. Um, but Sean's going to be. Sean's going to be uh joining us in just a few minutes. He um he knows this trainer in question Gordon Elliott, uh who has made some forays into the United States um in Virginia and 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 some of the other um uh, Steeplechase big steeplechase meets and races that they have and um Sean uh has has interviewed this person and uh as you'll find out I don't think he he, uh, he had a very high opinion of him personally prior to this incident uh, Well, so we, <laughs> we're going to get a kind of a, a, firsthand, um, uh, look at the, the person behind the, who this Gordon Elliott character is. Um, he has been Gordon Elliott, we're speaking of, has been suspended by the English, um, racing, commission, I guess for lack of a better word, um, until the investigation done by the Irish uh, board is 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 completed and there is a lot of um a lot of uh negative vibes here and, and um we'll talk about that with Sean. We had a couple derby preps this week. There was a Derby prep kinda um on Friday night at Turfway on uh, the Bataglia which um I actually was the was kind of a, a a roughly run stretch run and there was a long inquiry but um I don't believe that that's going to be a race that is going to uh feature a lot of um a lot of runners that that go on to run in the, in the derby um the winner of of that race was a Hush of a Storm for Bill Mori and the horse ran well um the big name in going into that race was Gretzy the Great, who, as an Ontario bred, who's shown a propensity to like a synthetic surface at Woodbine and seemed to handle it fine at Turfway and his run on the turf. Well, uh, he would seem to be more suited to the uh, the Queen's Plate, pointing to that later in the summer. Um, I don't think anyone else from that race is really going to be a factor moving forward. Uh, the the twice delayed Southwest was uh, was run uh, Saturday over a, a terribly sloppy track and they they just have had no luck at all in Arkansas with Oakland's weather it it um, it was a miserable weekend but they raced they got the races in um, and essential quality dominated the Southwest he he won easily um, he certainly. Uh, looks like he is going to be a big force um in the derby and um and we'll see how uh you know wh- where he pops up next I'm I'm guessing Arkansas Derby or the bluegrass one of those two um but he, he certainly deserves the plaudits that he's he's gotten um uh, so far in his short but uh, very successful racing career uh Jackie's Warrior was kind of the 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 secondary story coming out of Southwest, as he got to the lead, um, the track wasn't exactly speed-favoring, which sometimes in a sloppy track is, but uh, he really didn't perform very well. He uh, he was collared by about five and a half furlongs into the race and never really looked um, all that comfortable. I don't know if the surface, the distance, the... Um, the layoff, some combination of, of all those three things, but Steve Asmussen seemed to indicate that they were going to point him to the Day Mile um, at Churchill opening week uh, and keep him going a little bit shorter, which is probably the prudent move at this point. Um, Spielberg was second, but uh, Barry and I had a little debate about him last night, but I, I just think he was kind of second because someone had to be second and he um, he ran okay but uh, he he still got a really long ways to go before i think he has any contender status written over him at all um about 15 minutes later the fountain of youth was run and and that was run on a uh decidedly not sloppy track at uh, gulfstream park and great as honor um he won in a in a race that was i guess it would be described as a little bit um he ran erratically in that he was a little bit further back than he was in, in the Holy Bull. And he kind of didn't look all that... Um, he looked kind of like he wasn't going anywhere. Heading to the far turn, uh, Jose Ortiz angled him out. He whacked him a couple times, and he got uh, he got himself into position. And when he turned for home, he switched leads and just ran by the leader, drained the clock like uh, he was standing still. And it was kind of a, a a good effort. It just it was it was it was just a different way of um, uh, it just wasn't quite as smooth as as his Holy Bull win. Uh, certainly the distance won't be a question with him. He, Chug he is following the uh, the Orb uh, Road to the Derby, and he certainly Chug knows. Uh, Shug knows how to push the right buttons, and I'm guessing the Florida Derby is is his next and probably last prep for the the Kentucky Derby. Uh, the number came back, the buyer number came back a little soft, and uh, the immediate reaction to the 83 buyer figure that he earned was kind of like, uh, "Whoa, that's not really very good." But then overnight, it was adjusted to um, uh, to an 89, which is, matches what he ran. Uh, in the holy bull his thoroughgraph numbers uh, have been a little bit better than than those so I think he's moving in the right direction certainly the distance is not going to be an issue uh, the, the human connections shouldn't be an issue uh, it's just a matter of you know the next 60 days how, how does he do does he keep moving forward um, that's of course <laughs> probably the question for all of them. Uh, uh, Honestly, outside of him, the, the rest of the Fountain of Youth in and Derby Trail prospects just forget the rest. Drain the clock's is going to go back to sprinting. Papa 2 looks like distance, uh, a mile is probably his best distance as well. Tarantino will probably go back to the turf. Um, uh, the Mike Maker horse who was in there, the, who had won the Breeders' Cup, um, I mean, um, I'm forgetting his, uh, his name, but he had won the Breeders' Cup turf, uh, juvenile turf, he... Chased and, and really didn't, you know, didn't prove to be much of a factor. So he'll be heading back to the turf as well, I'm sure. Um, and we have a, a we have our guest is, is here, Mr. Clancy, and, and Mr. Clancy's. He spent many many years uh, on the turf trying to stay off the turf. Sean, how are you?
1: Hi, Chuck. How are you, buddy?
0: It's nice to have you on, Sean. It's been uh, thank you. You're you're one of those guys who, who I always had a, a, on my list of of potential guests and um because uh you know we've known each other for a long time and uh, I said on my podcast last night I said it's not just because he wrote a chapter of his first book about me but um <laughs> it's crazy when when you when you go back and read that it's like man that seems like 50 years ago not 20 years ago Oh, that was
1: brilliant. I'll never forget it. I, uh, I remember seeing that horse win and I looked in the program. I said, Charles C. Simon, who is that? Do I know him? (laughs) I ran down. I said, oh, of course I know Chuck. That's Chuck. Wow. All right.
0: Yeah. Good story. It was fun. That was Night Sky, right? Yeah. The night sky paid paid $75, $75 to win. A lot of people were probably saying, who the hell is Charles Simon? <laughs> this guy coming from Kentucky. Meanwhile, you know, it's a person that they would have all probably knew if they looked at me. They just didn't know who I was. You know, my name. My... I, I I had claimed a horse at Belmont about a month earlier. And this was when Belmont had a lot of coverage. And racing in general New York had a lot of coverage. Newsday, uh, the Daily News, the Post all had two full-time racing riders. And they used to have a little recap, and uh, I think it was Newsday. It might have even been Rick Lang, who knew me, of course. Uh, he just didn't know what my name was. And I claimed a horse named Ninja for seventy five thousand, which back then was was you know you didn't see a lot of seventy five thousand dollar claims. And uh, Mister Ramsey, you know, had his eye on him, and he and he said, "Go ahead and claim him." And um, we did. And I hadn't started any horses in New York at the time. I, I had just started out in training in May. So um the comment Rick Lang in uh was Rick Lang a, I can't remember, or maybe Mark Kramer. One of one of the guys. unfortunately both of those guys were great guys and great right racing riders have, have passed. Um but someone the comment the quote was someone named Charles Simon claimed ninja for seventy five thousand dollars. Not <laughs> sure we'll we'll see him next. <laughs> oh man. But Sean, I'm happy to have you on. Um, uh, I thought of you originally when this whole Gordon Elliott kind of, um, I guess a scandal for, for lack of a better word started to crop up. And, and then when I read what you wrote on your, um, your website, uh, it just kind of, um, I said to myself, you know, this is, uh, this is horseracing.com is the website. I said, this is the, the guy that we need to talk to about this situation. Uh, well,
1: yeah, thanks. Um, uh, I mean, it's a, it's just a terrible situation. I mean, I think, you know, I, I don't know if, any, if people aren't aware of it yet. I mean, there's a photo of Gordon Elliott who is, you know, one of the the premier jump trainers in Ireland, um, trained, you know, the tiger Rolls won two grand nationals and, uh, you know, the leading trainer, Cheltenham over the years. And there's a picture of him sitting on a, a dead horse, um, that he trained uh, on his phone with a smirk. And, uh, I guess they call it, it, looks like a peace sign over there. I guess it's a victory sign, but it's, uh, you know, it's two fingers in the air and, um, this surface Saturday night. And, um, you know, I think the picture was bad enough, and then then Gordon's attempt at an apology really just—I mean, that just angered me. I mean, I—I I was disgusted by the photo, but then I was just angered over the um the the statement that Gordon put out. Um, I mean, it's part—I guess it's an apology, but it was just—it's just. It, it, it just dumbing it down for us to try to believe that he just happened to sit down. Uh, he took a phone call and happened to sit down the horse had died at the top of the gallop. And he took a phone call and happened to sit down on the horse. And it, it's just, it's just deplorable. And, um, so yeah, I just, uh, I just, uh, I, I knew I had to write something, didn't really know where I was going, but I just felt like I needed to, needed to write something about it.
0: Well, what, what you wrote, I thought was, uh, was aggressive and, it, but it was, it felt right to me. It was you expressing your disdain, and for a lot of us, um, steeplechase racing is something that happens at Saratoga, and once in a while we'll watch it because it, it's not uh, in the spotlight in this country like it is uh, in in uh, in England and Ireland, and you know where, where it plays a bigger role. Um, but I mean, it's just I, I, like you said the The attempted at apology was was kind of almost like, uh, I think someone on I, I Twitter wrote this best, uh, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing. Uh, it, it was like, you know, I, I really don't feel that bad about. It. I don't think I did it. You know, it was a really big deal. I'm just I'm just upset I got caught. You know, it was it was that yeah, kind of exactly. thing. Yeah. And no,
1: exactly right. Uh, no, that's how it came across. And I and I think I'm I'm sorry uh, when you when you do that type of uh when uh, when you do something like that i i think it's it's um it's pretty apparent of what kind of um you know decency morality whatever whatever term you want to use uh you know who you are i'm uh, just i mean i'm sorry if the, if you if i mean chuck if you see a photo of me assaulting a woman sexually assaulting a woman, uh, it, the, I, you can't then say, but think about all the women I didn't assault and think about all the right. other pictures you've seen of me. And I, that wasn't like that. I, I'm sorry. That's, that's who you are. And that, and I'm sorry, you'll be that forever. I, I just, I don't think there's any, I don't think there's any gray area there. I just, um, it, it, you know, for it, it's, frustrating when you you know in our game all of us you know i feel like everybody just you try so hard to put the best foot forward and try to represent your game and to represent your sport that is under such pressure from so many outside influences and um yeah you know, i think we all do that i think we all take it upon ourselves to do that and then um i'm disgusted by by the by the people who um put a you know put our game in such a terrible light and then, and then scoff at it and and almost just dismiss it. Like we're supposed to just accept some just, just ridiculous apology that had no, uh, no substance to it.
0: Now you actually have, have had, you know um, you've interviewed this person. So you actually, you know, in in some way, you know, know him uh, unlike most of us who, who don't, and you seem to have um, expressed your disdain for for him in um, in your 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 piece last night. That he, he was very dismissive to you and to to, uh, to your brother. And uh, Megan Connolly had, had written something on on Twitter um, that he had been kind of uh, you know the same to her as well, and just kind of uh, um, you know not really a, a nice guy to
1: start with. Yeah, I, I, yeah, and I touched upon that. For I, I, I think there's a, I mean, I, I think there's a little bit. I, mean, I think there's a bigger, kind of a bigger meaning to it, and I and I've seen it over the years, and I and I just I find that. It ha- when when someone's winning and somebody has the control or the power of a situation, then then their their behavior is excused, their behavior is lauded. They're, it's um, you know it, it's like people are laughing. Oh, that I've heard I mean, how many times I've heard. Oh, that's Gordon. Ha <laughs> ha, that's fun. <laughs> that's Gordon, and, and it's not funny. It's not respectful. It's not good for for the game. It's not good for anybody. And I've seen it. It's not just Gordon Elliott. I've seen it. I've seen it. You know, experienced it many times in 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 thoroughbred racing here flat racing jump racing wherever i mean i've had
0: you know i i've
1: been i mean i've seen high-powered trainers high-powered owners um disregard writers disregard the public and, and 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 behave in a way that um that's not it's not in the it's not respecting our sport and it it sheds our sport in a bad light and 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 it's dismissed i mean that's the part that's frustrating and it's dismissed as oh that's 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 who that's this guy that's that and they laugh And, and I and i've just i've been in situations where um somebody will do something they'll act in a way that's it's just indecent and it's excused because they're basically a winner and i and i just i think it's uh I think it's just abominable and I and that's kind of why I wrote it I'm just tired of kind of sitting on the sidelines like I mean I feel like maybe I'm enabling it too by not bringing it out sometimes I just um I I just think it's uh I think it's a bigger issue and I you see it it's not just racing I mean you see it all over the you see it in the world you see it everywhere I mean to, to the people with the power get away with more than the people who don't. The people who are winning get away with more things than the people who uh, don't have that reputation, and that's wrong. And I think I think all of us need, need to step up. and And um, I don't say I don't think you have to write about it, but I think it, I think it's we're to the point where you need to say something when it's happening. You say, hey, you know, pull up these people and say, whoa, that that's not it's not how you behave. That's not how you act. That's not how you treat people
0: no no doubt uh, i was we, we were having a conversation yesterday on twitter uh, not about this subject actually it, it was about um a, a guy had had written a post about he had a horse racing yesterday and it was racing in a claiming race and i believe he he, he had bred it and raised it and you know he was just kind of uh and, and he didn't say what the name of the horse was so i'm assuming it was a horse that obviously it's running for a tag so so it's not like a uh a top horse or a supremely talented horse, and but the person is attached to the horse, and they felt kind of queasy having to run the horse for a claiming price, and I and I understand that. And what we we got into a discussion of conditions and and different things, and and one of the the, the topics that I, I wrote because I I really truly believe that we need to revamp some of our um, conditions that just simply relying on claiming and condition claiming. Um, Race is, is is a mistake, um, and and I don't really you know like get too much into semantics of that. But one of the the things that I did say was that if a handicap rating system were to be used in this country or attempted, one of the real main things that would be an impediment is that the 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 average horseman, the average horse owner, the average trainer feels like they don't get a fair shake and it feels like the, the guys at the top are getting more and more and more. And they also feel like those guys can do whatever they want and they can get away with whatever they want. And they, they don't have to, um, be penalized, um, when they do, you know, when they have issues. Um, and it's hard to deny that. And, And I'm not talking about one particular track or one, um, in one particular incident. I'm talking about just a general distrust um by the regular people, the ordinary guys, the guys that uh don't have the big horses and, and don't uh get to um dictate where the races are what races are gonna be used because in some cases that that's the truth. The big trainers you can see it all the time. Whenever there's a race that, that goes and it's carted with a short field, it's the same couple guys that have a horse in there. And and those are usually the guys with the most horses. And sure, they, they, they might be using as a prep or this or that or the other. But I think racing, horse racing in this country, I mean, there's no one that's too big to fail here. I mean, the greatest trainers, the greatest jockeys, the greatest owners in, in the history of the game have passed and and the game is gone on. Um if if Todd Pletcher and Chad Brown and uh Bob Baffert all tomorrow decided that they were going to retire from horse racing, they'd still hold the Kentucky Derby. They would still hold a the Saratoga meet. Uh it would be a little strange for the first few months, obviously, but After that, the game would go on, and and I think that, uh, and I'm not pointing those guys out as bad actors or anything. Those are just the three, quote unquote, biggest trainers we have. You could you could throw Brad Cox or Steve Asmussen or or whoever else you want in, but uh, you know if WinStar Farm said, you know, if 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 they said, well, you know, we've had enough and we're 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 just going to get out of this business and and and, you know convert uh, WinStar into a zoo or something like that. Well, you know, it it, it it would shake the business up a little bit, and there'd be a lot of stallions and mares and things going on because they have a lot of business and you know dealings and a lot of partnerships and stuff. But in the end, the game would go on. Things like this, Gordon Elliott thing, this is this is what um, this is what threatens our, our existence, and and I think that maybe someone would say, "Well, that's a little dramatic." Well, yeah, but. Um, we don't get, like, we don't get to be on, on, the uh, trending topics on Yoohoo <laughs> for our positive things. Um, we, we get, we get that, we, we get that coverage when, when a bad thing happens. And it's just frustrating to me that, that, um, I mean, I don't even know this guy. I, I didn't like, at first I kind of thought, why is this such a big deal? You know, like it's an Irish jump trainer and, I didn't. I hadn't seen the picture yet, and I'm thinking, well, I mean, because they were talking about, you know, was it photoshopped? But um, I just was like, the more I, I I dove into it, and the more I saw how much negative coverage this was getting, and it was a, a massive amount, and and it was seeping out of England and, and Ireland and into the you know to everywhere else that there's racing. Uh, I mean, these are just like I, I just, I just don't know that um, the penalty is going to be strong enough to satisfy people other than the fact he is losing horses which of course is is really about as bad of a penalty as you can give a trainer um just you know taking business away is is certainly uh, uh much worse than than giving a guy a you know 60 month or 60 day suspension or something like that where um, they'll just come back, regroup, and, and it'll be business as usual.
1: No, no question. I mean, I think the. Uh, I mean, they, you know, there will be some penalty. There'll be some suspension, I guess. But uh, you know what? Um, what fits the crime? I, I don't know. I mean, I've, I don't think anybody's ever come across something like this. I mean, this is just so deplorable, it's so um, so egregious. And yeah, I think for all of us who you you try to, as I said before, you try to, you know, you try to promote our game. You try to, you know, you just try to be a respectful custodian of our sport. And uh, and then when you see something like this, it's just, um, you know, it's just, uh, it's shocking. I mean, um, uh, 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 you know, it's just, uh, it's just. But 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 what I was trying to say, and I think what I'm stuck on is, I think this. I think for all of us is, is you have to try to, I mean, this type of behavior, this crassness, this, of this, it's like a, it's it's like a bad, it's like a bad comic who's walking that edge and, and everybody's laughing and then he, then he goes over that edge and then they go, Oh my God, can you, can you believe he said this? So I just think this type of behavior, this boorish type behavior, that's, um, that's just, it's, it's, doesn't respect our sport. I think. I think it's all. I think you have to stop it, or, or at least address it, or do something about it long before it gets to this point. And again, I've seen it, and um, and I, I've been. I mean, uh, I've seen it on all levels. I mean, I've, my interns at Saratoga, young kids trying to make it in the game, want to get a start, want to get a chance. They have been kicked around by people that you just you can't believe it. I mean, you just. And I tell them all, do not take it. You know, I'd rather you come back and say, I don't, I don't have any quotes because this person was not treating me with respect. But you'd be shocked by, by, uh, by the time. It doesn't happen all the time, but you'd be shocked how many times it does happen. And um, it's like we're just we're so daft. We're so just ignorant to what we need to do to um, keep our game. Um, in good stead, and I think it's so important. Um, and I just don't think you can stand around and laugh at somebody's jokes or laugh at their behavior, um, thinking it's okay because they're powerful, or they're winning. I just I uh, think we've seen it on all levels. Um, uh, and I think you know, I think at least on a personal level, you got to stand up and um, try to slow it down. I mean, I don't know, I don't have anybody around me that doesn't just pull me up every time I do something, every time I say something stupid or every time I'm acting out of line, I, either my wife or my brother or my friends go, Hey buddy, you know, straighten up and, and, you know, and then there's some people who are allowed to do whatever they want, however they want. I just think it's wrong.
0: I, I, I can't, uh, I can't agree with you any, any, any further than that. I mean, you're, you're a hundred percent right. And I mean, we had the issue last year, um, with Tom Van Meter, um, and comments that he had made on Facebook, you know, unacceptable comments. And it was, um, it was, uh, kind of condemned quickly. And, and, uh, Keeneland took the, the action of, of not allowing him to operate on their grounds and things like that. But, um, so I, I know the guys you're talking about and I I told a prominent trainer this is about ten years ago, and he was kind of big shotting everybody one day, and and I said, listen, man, <laughs> like two percent of the population cares about horse racing. You're not a big shot. You're not you're not a big shot. Tiger Woods, yeah. that guy's a big shot. Michael Jordan, he's a big shot. You're just a horse racing guy. You could go in any mall in America, nobody know who you are. So like, you're you're important inside these uh, inside these fences, but. Once you leave the outside fence, you you know you're you're just another guy, and and sometimes it's just about you know doing the right thing and and saying the right thing and being nice to people and uh, acting, um, you know, like everyone has bad days, and you know the pressure on a trainer these days um, is is great. I mean the rules are confusing and and you know at, at times ludicrous. Um, owners are difficult or they 're as difficult as ever to deal with uh because everyone 's got every bit of information about everything and and um you know- r- racing is 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 contracting it's getting more difficult to find races for horses to 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 race um, you know there's a lot of pressure you have the insurance uh issues and i 'll be frank a lot of people don 't pay their bills so <laughs> It makes it you know hard. and and I'm not talking just the small guys. some people don't pay the big guys either uh and of course, those guys usually have the latitude to kind of you know get rid of those type of people, but you know someone could come up and ask you for a quote and and you just had a horse um you know you found out your derby hopeful bode, and no one knows about it, and you know like you're feeling like like you want to shoot yourself and and you know you just might happen stance upon a guy that. Uh, at a bad time but uh, you know there's a way of doing things there's a way of not doing things and and for our sport like you said earlier there there's people there's enemies that that are, are peering over our fence trying to find things wrong with us and for every horse that's saved and every great story and every uh off the track thoroughbred horse that goes on and becomes a a great uh show jumper or just some little girl's, you know, uh, forever horse. It just takes one picture of a guy sitting on a dead horse with a smirk to like wipe out years of that. And, and that's, I mean, and we're all, we're all responsible for that, but it just, um, yeah, it sucks,
1: but let's talk (laughs) about,
0: (laughs) let's talk about fun things like, (laughs) like Saratoga, (laughs) I said, I said to Barry on our podcast last night. I said, man, like this was supposed to be like the the good week, you know. We were gonna be positive, and then next thing you know, we got this jerk and uh, sitting on his dead horse. And then you got Paco Lopez and Ired uh, you know, like like trying to set up the next flyweight championship, and you know, it's like <laughs> I'm trying to be positive here, but. But these guys keep—they keep dragging me back to to, to negative town. But, <laughs> um,
1: oh look, look, you, anybody who knows my style—I mean, my style of writing and my love for the game—I'm as positive a guy as, as as there is, and I and and I try to I try to write the positive stories, and we try not to. Uh, be cheerleaders for, for, for people who don't deserve it. I mean, write about the results, write about the facts. Occasionally we'll get it wrong, but yeah, I mean, look, I'm a positive guy. I just did. And I sometimes will skirt away from some of this stuff. And I just, I just, uh, man, I went to bed, uh, Sunday night, just, I could, I knew it was coming and, um, yeah, it's I had to write about it. And I think you have to talk about it, but, um, man, but, yeah, no, but uh, you know, you you got you, you have to talk about it, you have to learn from it and then yeah, then you gotta kinda try to move on and um put it somewhere, learn from it and hopefully everybody um has learned something from it, I guess.
0: Uh, I, 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 hope, I hope uh the lessons in this business seem to be short lived and that that's that's all i i really want to say about it after that and
1: we, we well we... i'll touch upon the claiming game too I and mean, i and and i know it's a, you can go real down a, a long rabbit hole but the the, the 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 couple points to claiming is one I, i'm not against, if people want to play the claiming game i that's fine i'm not against that if if that's your thing and that, that but the game forces people to play the claiming game to participate. And, I, and that's not right. And that, that's what the guy's comment on Twitter. I saw that. And he basically he likes the game. He owns this horse. He likes this horse. And he doesn't want to run him for a claiming price. And people say, oh, what do you, why are you running him for a claiming price? Then, if you're worried about it, because there are no other options. And that's, that's what's wrong. And furthermore, what's, what's ultimately wrong with the claiming game is how can the people who do it right, the people who treat the horses right, are at a disadvantage to the ones who don't? We know who they are. We know every time Graham Motion drops the horse in, it's getting claimed. Every time Tim Keefe drops the horse in, it's getting claimed. I mean, we know who they are. It, Rusty Arnold, Jimmy Toner, guys that to take good care of their horses, they're getting claimed. Why? Because they do the right thing for their horse. How can that? How can they? How can they be at a disadvantage for doing the right thing? That's just so fundamentally wrong. And then, then on the back end, we're supposed to we're supposed to donate money to, to retire horses, and we do, and we try hard, and we really work at that. But the game doesn't reward the people for doing the right thing, taking care of their horses along the way. I mean, people always claim, people want to claim off me all the time. Why? Because I'm a jump guy. I live on a farm. I got seven retired horses on my farm and uh, they know I take good care of my horses. They do claim off me all the time. I give them the winter off. I'm not going to run a horse that's sore. They claim off me. I'm doing the right thing and I'm at a disadvantage. That's wrong.
0: Yeah. I, I, I get your, you're a hundred percent right about the connections. I, I mean, I, I'm guilty of it. Um, I, I did really well claiming a horse off of Bill Mott and one of the reasons I, I, I felt comfortable claiming off of him was because that uh I said, Well, you know, he's not gonna run a horse that's got a big bad issue because he right. doesn't have to. Why why exactly. would he? And and you know, his owners are playing the game, uh you know, they're heavyweights. They're they're not lightweights and yep. and, and they're not gonna be trying to st- you know, stick a horse down somebody's throat. Now, and Bill Mott was—I mean, he started out in the claiming game, um, but Chris Clement the, the same way. And and uh, like you said, the the, the names you named, and, and there's others that you feel comfortable claiming from. Not that um, you, you know, you're saying, "Well, I'm going to do great with the horse," but you you think that this is not going to be a disaster.
1: You and... know, they've done the right thing for that horse. Exactly. So you
0: claim off exactly. And and I think
1: that's just—that's not right. I think part of the problem, and then you can't claim that if I want to play the claiming game, I can't. Play, I can't claim. I don't want to claim off, off a lot of it. I don't want to claim off the guys claiming off me because they don't do the right thing for the horse.
0: No, and and that's and you know like that's the, that was kind of the gist of my argument is that well, number one, not just that. I think that the problem with claiming too is that the it, it gives the big outfits the advantage over the small outfits in that. Sean, you're going to run your horse that's worth fifteen thousand for fifteen thousand. If you, you yeah, you're course. taking an edge if you run it for twelve five, right? The guys with the big outfits they run thirties for twelve five. Uh, absolutely, and it, oh, it causes a, a small it, the... it, it, yeah. it causes a small field. Uh, you'll have a couple yeah. guys scratch. I had a couple owners when when I left finally left New Jersey to come to Florida full time, and um, George Navarro was was running over the top of everyone, and this was kind of. Um, You know, at Monmouth, and you almost couldn't escape a claiming race without him being in it. And it was like you said, you can't claim from him, but you can't beat him in a lot of ways. And my owners just said, you know what, when we get in against one of those horses, just scratch. And I mean, A, that doesn't, you know, you can't win races when, when you don't run at all. Uh, and B, it doesn't make you a very popular person with the track, is every nice. time you get in a race, yeah. you scratch. And oh, yeah. um, so, no, then
1: your horse gets dazed. I, I worked
0: for uh, I worked for Tom Skiffington for a while when they used to call him Scratchington because Tom <laughs> Tom literally would not want to run a horse if it was five to two or higher. He was like <laughs> three to one. Nah, take him out. We'll, we'll find a better spot. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's and to me the a rating system is better. And, and, and I don't hope people don't take this the wrong way, but a lot of ways at the lower end of the game, people aren't classifying their horse. They're running them a little bit over their head anyways because they are fearful of getting claimed. And especially the younger horses. And I don't blame a guy. Listen, if, if I bred a horse and, and I lived and died with this horse for a couple of years and I finally got to the races and it showed it's really not a maiden special caliber type of horse... Well, I'm probably not, you know, putting them right in for May and eight because I'm like, well, you know, I've spent all this time and I, am, I have some kind of attachment to the horse and I think the horse would be better as an older horse or uh maybe, you know, when the distances get longer, blah blah blah. It, you're stuck running the horse over your head because you want to give them the time to uh mature, but you also want to get some racing experience. You don't want to just sit on the yeah. sidelines and and I, that's why I think a rating system where you're going to have Um, And and there's a lot of issues that need to be ironed out before we could do something like that. But at least you're going to race against horses who are all rated very similar to you. Um, So the races should be more competitive. There won't be any big drop downs, any big horses that are running 92 buyers and dropping into a race where everybody else runs 65s. And that makes a better betting product. It'll allow people to race horses um, in spots that are competitive but they have a chance to and, it, and it's more dependent on the trip and and uh things like that other than just you know a guy you know not, you know beating you over the head with with a with a, a horse that's much faster because he's got four of them and he doesn't care if one of them gets claimed um i mean there's a lot of ways to do it and 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 yes there's you could probably sit here and pick apart and say well what about Phillies? Well, what about different surfaces? What about different distances? What, I mean, there's a you know there's a lot of of, of um, tweaks that would be needed, but um, you know, the claiming game is is just a way of classifying horses. Uh, I, I know Keeneland ha- I saw today is having another one of their uh, cyber sales. I think March 23rd. I think you have to to enter by March 16th. So if anyone out there has a horse that you're looking to sell, Keeneland has a sale. Um, but there's more and more of those type of, of things. So it's not as though, um, you know, cause some people who are critics of, uh, a, a, a handicap or a, uh, a, a rating system will say, well, you know, how do you move the horses from, you know, what if the people want to get, how did I get in? And maybe a guy's got a horse and he just wants to get out. And, um, well, you know, we, we should be able to have, uh, these, these sales like we do on the internet now, um, to, to. Accomplish that that shouldn't be a barrier and i i guess if we're not moving forward right i mean if we're standing in place and, and 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 using uh conditions from 20 20 years ago that just aren't just don't seem to work anymore um i mean what are we doing
1: oh yeah but exactly yeah and again i'm i don't I'm, i don't think you'll, i don't think you will totally get rid of claiming races and, I, and i'm not sure that's really should be the goal but I, I think if i think if you have owners and trainers who don't want to play the claiming game you have to offer them opportunity now that's in 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 direct um interference a direct um conversation with the racing office because the racing office's main goal is to is to fill races so i mean that's that that doesn't fill the, the racing office is. Goal is to fill races with full fields, and that's not always the best for the horses. I mean, the a, the A other than look at the A other than. I mean, it's a, it's a crafty condition for the racing office to fill races. Not the best thing for the horse. I mean, you you get horses that have that have won a bunch of races, run a bunch of old claimers, run against the horses that's won one yeah. race in its life, maybe a maiden race. I mean, there's a race at Tampa the other day. This horse has won ten races, in there against horses that have won one, There's one has made two starts in its life. So it's totally incongruent that way. But if we don't get creative and come, out, come up with different strategies to allow people to play this game the way they want to play it as far as taking care of their horses and, and, and having fun with them and, and enjoying the process, then you're in trouble. I mean, I mean get, a, get, a new part, get a new client. I've done it. You get a new partner in this game, and you have to explain to them that you got to run the horse for a price. They're like run them for a claiming price. They're like, what? What do you mean? Somebody can buy my horse. I don't want to sell my horse now. You, you have to. Why do I have to? Well, because to be competitive, you have to run them in this maiden claiming fifteen thousand. But, but 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 I don't want them. I don't want to sell them. Yeah, you have to. But but I don't. Then we can't run them. What do you mean we can't run them? Well, we can run them in a maiden race, but they won't have any chance. What do you mean? I mean, <laughs> it's 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 just it's archaic. And now we do. Now we've got all. We just keep adding rules. Waiver claim, and then the 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 vets who claim. I mean, it, we just we're trying to patch up a failed a failing system, and you got to be creative. You got to come up with a different way of doing it.
0: I, I, that that's so uh, that's so true. I mean, we we are a sport of band aids. We never yeah. actually sit down and talk about um, some of the things that need to be talked about. I, I know that there's uh, you know a situation um, I can't really talk about like in depth, but if the two parties would just get together and um, explain their takes on both sides and, and, and party one would say, this is our goal for trying to implement these rules. And party two would say, okay, we understand that uh, this is what we don't really like about that. We're okay with this. We could do this. We could, you know, compromise on this, but horse racing is not like that. And it's, 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 it, it drives me crazy sometimes because um, the horseman side, we, we've definitely, um, I mean, let's face it. We're just not as important as we used to be. We, we were the only thing that the, the racetracks were selling for a long time. They weren't selling any, anything else. They sold tickets and, and that was it. Now, uh, a lot of the track companies are, uh, the, you know, they're, they're, they're invested in other uh, areas as well. Um, so we don't, we're just not as important to them. And, and as such, sometimes they seem to want to, uh, to dictate to us as though we are their employees and not are their partners. And, and I think racing in general, uh, I think racetracks should be working together instead of looking at them as the enemy. To me, the enemy, the barbarian at the gate is sports betting because guys, sure. my age, guys, my age and younger um have a lot of them already have been betting sports but now with the access being so easy not having to deal with you know uh a, a guy named Vito, you know and and not having to worry about getting paid or not having to worry about um legalities of the thing and doing something illegal and add on to the fact that now these books are are basically um have have change their model they don't just take uh yeah i want to bet the the knicks minus two and a half and that's it there's 50 different ways to bet that game they, they have bet you can bet quarters you can bet uh over unders on on almost anything you can bet individual players statistics uh will so and so make three three pointers and, and give you odds i mean these guys bet parlays, and, and the parlays sometimes pay like ridiculously you know high amounts of of money. And yeah, most of them are going to lose. But forever and ever, sports betting, we could always say, well, horse racing is a better thing. Parimutuel racing wagering is better because you know we have pick sixes and we have exactas and we have uh, trifectas and pick threes, and you can bet a little and make a lot. But with sports betting, you can't do that. You can't bet ten dollars and, and and win a uh, thousand it's almost impossible now it's not it's possible and the amount of free advertising that these sports get because they're on um these networks that promote 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 um we don't have that and and to me it's like guys people who bet slots aren't really people who play horses like, right people who bet sports they're people who play horses it's a, yeah. it's it's a similar game and they're only it's only legal in like 10 states right now but it's coming and i mean you look at the numbers in jersey just jersey they're already doing more than like like 60% of um what thoroughbred racing did nationwide last year and that was with a big part of the of the um you know, during the pandemic, n- virtually nothing to bet on. So they're doing six billion when when you have a couple months downtime. What are they going to do when when uh, you know this year when everything is 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 running full speed ahead? And uh, I mean, they're they're going to have one state sports betting is going to be more than our our entire sport and. And that's what I worry about because why are, you know, why are Tampa Bay downs and, and, and Gulfstream park running sprint stakes on the same day for the same type of horses? Why, why can't we coordinate that? Why can't, why in the summertime does Monmouth and Delaware and, and, uh, um, Laurel all have a, 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 turf race for three-year-olds going a mile, mile and a sixteenth, a week apart where you divide everything up. I mean, why can't we work together and, uh, a little bit more there's,
1: because there's no we, there's no league i mean that's what i always say people i the, the most laughable comment in, in thoroughbred racing is that we need a commissioner you can't be a commissioner of nothing we don't have a league we we don't have it's individual states individual racetracks all competing against each other there's no league there's no there's no there's no central body there's no revenue sharing there's no there's no um there's no mutual benefit for anybody everybody's competing against each other so we just consistently do the, we do the, we just basically cannibalize ourselves and shoot ourselves in the foot and, and um yeah, there's there's just no there's no league i mean you want to be a commissioner you can't be a commissioner of nothing
0: no right commissioners are are employees and that's the funny thing people don't get is of the, an association the commissioner is the commissioner of, of the club. NFL is an employee of the owners, right. and but they have every everyone is they have is employees. League. We don't have a league. right? Exactly. The referees are an employee. The right. the guys that sell the hot dogs are an employee. The players, the coaches, the the athletic staff, the everyone, everyone's an employee. And in this business, it's just you know it. it it's frustrating sometimes because people like they always go back to how ah, we need a commission. No, we need a czar, but that's not going to happen. So let's stop worrying about that and try to, to to make do with what we have. And and everyone, like you said, they're going in different directions. And um, it's frustrating because the competition is is getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And there's a lot of great things to our sport. And I mean, you just think. Uh, I mean, I've thought about this so often. How do we bottle Saratoga? <laughs> And, and the Keeneland meet, and and Delmar, and 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 uh, sprinkle that uh, around the country a little bit more, and and it just is. Um, I don't know. Well, the, just
1: no, isn't. that's what's weird. I mean, I uh, the amount of interviews that I've done or conversations I've had over the years, when you ask an owner, a big time owner, anybody, say, you know, why, you know, how'd you, why did you own horses? Why did you become, and they will uh, inevitably they say oh, my father used to take me to the local track, whether it's, you know, Delaware Park or Laurel or Louisiana Downs or Fairgrounds or the Cinnaboy Downs or, you know, these little tracks. And, and I think now we, we're losing those little tracks. So You've really lost that entree into the sport as well. I and mean, I remember interviewing Gary West after he won the Travers, and I asked him, you know, how he got involved. He said, he said I love gambling. And um, when I was in college, the only gambling was, uh, at Axarbin, and he used to go to the track at Axarbin and bet the horses because he loved gambling. And then he fell for the sport and became an owner when he, when he made made enough money to become an owner. And uh, those type of those type of stories are you know they're just getting now. You think about losing Arlington Park and losing all these racetracks. You just you've lost that. You've lost another entree into the sport, um, which is you know all, uh, a real blow to it as well.
0: I told my friend last week. I said, you know, I know you'd never been to Arlington. You really need to get up there this summer and at least take in a a, a day at the races there. You know, preferably a Friday when they have the. Well, they, they used to. I don't. Honestly, I don't know what the situation is going to be fan wise. But um, you know, or a Saturday and just to kind of you know get the to, to see it at least once. And then I said, you know, but on the other hand, once you see it, you're going to be sick that, that it's going yeah. away you're, you're not you're going to say to yourself how how is it possible that this place is is, is deemed um you know uh a check off on on a, on a balance sheet and, and, and it's we're just going to flip it from one side to the other and move on and it's that's the type of thing that the people like us that that live for the racing and uh the great races the arlington million and and even you know the big meets saratoga there's just a different feel to them and and that's the uh the part that just is 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 sad that um i mean i understand why churchill's doing it i don't agree with it but uh i mean you listen to what they said at their shareholder meeting the other day and they're basically saying uh you know we're we're just going after short-term profitability and and we've actually postponed some of the projects we have for the the flagship track uh, i guess they were going to build a hotel at churchill downs and uh, uh put in um uh, you know you know slot machines basically you can call them you call them whatever you want but they're slot yeah. machines and and uh, you know they're postponing that and and they're going to put more money into the derby city which is the old sports spectrum because i guess that's done really well and it, i mean i i get it from a, a, a stockholder shareholder standpoint but from the racing game, we just don't have that many places like Arlington, and when we lose them, and uh, Cesario died the other day, and she was a great Japanese horse that came over and ran in the uh, American Oaks, and just like, <laughs> I mean, she was like, uh, one of, I mean, honestly, one of the best fillies I ever saw. I saw her run once, and and um, I mean, she was like, she just dominated a good field, just like a it was you know, she was a really good filly, a really good filly, but like seeing Hollywood Park. And thinking, you know, that's no more. Uh that's a football stadium now. And uh I mean we don't have any racing in New England at all. I had Tom Lamaro was on the other day uh, and yeah. and you know Tom was was talking about all you know uh, some of the tracks in uh in the mid Atlantic, uh some of the harness tracks that are gone Brandywine and Liberty Bell and um how uh you know Atlantic City, Garden State uh, you know, how, how just how there was a viable circuit like in a lot of different areas that that, that that's gone. I mean, we're going to be down to one track in Chicago. Uh, okay. We have no tracks in New England. We have no tracks near Boston. We have um, uh, down here in, in my you know, South Florida where we're down to one track. Um, it's uh, you know, it's kind of a sobering thought. And, and like you said, like Mr. West. He got into the game because he went to Axe Well, there is no more Axe Exactly.
1: Exactly. I mean that, those, those those entrees to the game. It's just that that's where you're going to I think you just you're going to lose all the cultivating those young the young fans, cultivating people who will make big impacts on our sport. That's just becoming more and more arduous to um, to cultivate those uh, those people
0: let's talk about something fun for a change
1: sorry, let's talk off. about yeah, Sarah I brought it right back negative didn't I Gee, sorry
0: about that <laughs> no no you're good you're good um let's talk about Saratoga how did you and and Joe how, like when you guys decided to do the Saratoga special like what were you thinking like and and looking back 20 years has, has it I mean is this what you thought it would be
1: <laughs> great question huh um well, I mean, it really. We started. I mean, I, we started Steeplechase Times. That was our original publication in '94 when I was riding races. So I, I basically got out of college in '92. I worked for Janet Elliott one year just... in '93, and knew that wasn't for me. I mean, I've, I've, my dad trained horses, always liked it, but I knew I wasn't. I just wasn't going to be a horse trainer. I, 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 mean, I loved riding races, but um, so we started the Steeplechase Times in '94 really just as i, I kind of was looking for something to do uh, with my brain um you know rather than smashing on the ground every weekend so um so i rode races we did steve chase times up to 2000 um and, and we did it after that but in 2000 i retired in november of 2000 and joe and i kicked around the idea of the special for a couple of years, and I kept saying, "We really got to do this." I, I'm, you know, I'm a reader, so I was up there reading, but I had seen what happened to the pink sheet. It had just gotten worse and worse. I saw the quality of the writing, and there was fewer and fewer papers, fewer and fewer, um, you know, real publications that were covering it the way it should be covered. Um, and I, I really part of it was I was trying to figure out a way to, to be able to come back to Saratoga. I and mean, I've been going there every summer. And I've been going there with my father as a kid. I mean, secretary and all those other great horses back in the day. I mean, I, I was there then, and then I was up there as a jump jockey, you know, galloping for flat trainers from '89 to 2000. So I was really looking for a way. Like, how am I going to? I need a. I need to. I, I need. I'm not. I'm never going to be just a casual like fan where I, I don't have a role. I know. I knew I needed a role, so we decided to do it and we started in 2001, but it was just, we were doing six days a week. Uh, we had very little advertising. We had no idea what, what we had gotten into. And, uh, and it was, it was, it was hell for a few years for sure. Um, uh, but gradually, you know, gradually kind of got where, um, it got a little easier and a li- not easy, not easy, but a little easier, I guess. And, um, yeah, I've been going 20 years. I mean, I, it's, I mean, your question was, you know, did I ever think it was going to be this? Yeah, I mean, I did. I think all, I think Joe and I both were pretty positive and optimistic and uh, confident that it would work if we could pull it off. And um, uh, you know, I just think the place always deserved a. I just always felt like it, or we felt like it deserved a a, 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 a daily paper that captured the essence i mean i was reading stuff i'd watch races before the special i'd watch races over there and and, then i'd see these things and then i would go read about it the next day and i'm like man they missed it they didn't that's they didn't see it they didn't that's not what happened you know like Mm -hmm. man they just you know they didn't get it um so that was really our goal to, to bring that to life bring that to people who wouldn't wouldn't necessarily be able to see it like that
0: well, you certainly achieve that goal because uh, the special is—it's is, uh, a great paper, It really is. And, and you guys kind of hit on—you um, know—you you hit on the human interest stories. You hit on uh, uh, like the stable tours. Uh, people can actually get a lot of information just reading those. Uh, you know, hearing what the trainers have to say about horses, uh, unraised horses, or horses that are coming off layoffs or this or that. Uh, you know, you guys do your recaps, your stakes. You know, you do your column. Um, you have a couple other people like, uh, like Tom, you know, we'll, will write, uh, you know, a piece once in a while, uh, you know, you have, uh, the features and, and, you know, at the beginning, which is, you know, the part I love the, the, the numbers, the different names, and then, uh, you know, your, your, uh, the chief says section, um, which never gets old, you know, um, <laughs> it just really, it's, it's, it might be the only track you could really do it at because, saratoga is such a uh, it, it's it, it's got a life of its own it's the town is part of it being in the small town where everyone's kind of staying together um it, it, it's not like that really anywhere else um and you know it, it's grown i mean certainly saratoga has grown from uh i mean when i was a kid we you know it was it was you know, 24 days four four weeks six days a week and and that was, there. I remember the one year, man, one year when I, I don't know, I, I was in my lower teens and they, they ran every day. <laughs> they try to, they try to run every day. And yeah. I, I, I remember uh, hearing, you know, some of the old time Naira employees, like, man, I was just, <laughs> you know, it's bad enough to try to run seven days a week. It's really bad at Saratoga, <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's more people hung over <laughs> at work. though. Well, I just kind of looked the other way because everybody else was hung over too. But, um, you know, it's just, it's just a special place and, and, uh. Uh, I, I I was I was one of your your early advertisers and uh, that's right. I, I remember it's like you guys, are, this that's like a really good idea. <laughs> and yeah, as, as you were
1: you were uh, you were definitely one of the first. I mean, I remember the people who jumped on and and got it out. I mean, yeah, you know my my appreciation for the chief, and it's it's shared by by us and everybody else. But I I'll, I'll never forget when I I went. We had done the paper. I think it was the first year and, um, it was a struggle, obviously. I mean, we were, well, I wasn't sure anybody had even seen it and it. it was a real battle. And, um, I remember running the Chief was, he was watering the, 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 the horse track horse path near his barn. And I walked down there and I was always intimidated by him. I, one of my big regrets is I was, I spent so much time intimidated by him instead of just embracing him and, and really, and, it was really one of the breakthrough moments. I walked down there and just happened to see him there and walked up to him. And I didn't think I really wouldn't have, I wouldn't have said he even knew who I was. I mean, I really didn't know if he knew who I was. And so I started chatting with him. I had my little tape recorder, and he was spraying down the horse path and he's got his thumb over the nozzle and the water's running down his pants. But he's he's in his crew boots, you know, cut off his like shorts and no shirt and, the water's running all over all of us, and um uh, he we just started chatting, he was talking about you know just unbelievably stories and different things and he um he said, "I'll never forget it he said uh he said, "How's the paper and I remember thinking, Wow, Alan Jerkins actually knows that we're doing this silly damn." Daily racing paper. I mean, I felt like I just, it was like this arrival. I'm like, wow, he's actually read it. And I worked up the nerve. I said, what? I said, it's okay. She, you know, Chief, it's all right. It's, you know, whatever, whatever. I stammered out a few words. And, uh, and I remember just getting, getting, building up my confidence. And I said, uh, I said, what do you think? He said, great, great. And I remember that just was like such a just, like stamp of approval. I just felt like, okay, maybe, maybe we're going to make it, you know, maybe it's going to work. I'll never forget that. I mean, it was just such a special moment I was many with him over the years, but that was, uh, that was the first.
0: Yeah, that was, um, that w- that was one of, when I was, uh, b- approached to take the training job with, uh, with the Ramses. um, you know, it, it sometimes it feels like you never know if it's, if it's the right move, it's the right time. And I mean, things rarely like, you know, work out perfectly. And, um, I asked him, I, I said to him, I I was, you know, upfront with him right away. I said, listen, I, I got offered maybe a job and like, what do you think? And, uh, and he goes, well, what do you think? I said, you know, how's it sound? I said, well, I said, I, uh, they want me to fly to Kentucky and, you know, the guy's got a big farm and, and by at this time, Mr. Ramsey wasn't, you know, he wasn't the big figure he, he, he turned out to be. He right, had some horses with Bill Maude, he had some horses with Shasberg and Zito and this and that, but he, he wasn't like the, you know, perennial leading owner or leading, uh, breeder. So, you know, he said, well, you know, why don't you go down there and, and, and check it out and, and, and see. And, uh, so I said, you know, you think I'm ready? And he's like. You've been ready, <laughs> you know and, and and that just that was like you know what I mean it, it was like it, oh, just, yeah. it, it was it was like the Word of God, you know, like yeah you know all the the um your 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 little insecurities and you're like, man, I don't know if I'm really ready I mean, do I really know enough about horses and man what do I know about running a business and blah blah blah, blah. you know there's a million things to think about and and um. You know with him like i just did uh, i was an assistant that just did horses i mean nowadays assistants in some of these bigger barns i mean they're essentially the trainers they they do all the right, entering they they do all the the book work i mean you know a guy's got two three hundred horses uh he, he's gonna have you know four or five assistants that are they're that in that uh in that that in that role you know when i was working for allen i i just did horses i didn't do payroll i didn't do um anything like that i mean i worked with the vets and and uh um you know everything else was horses it was horses 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 and he would uh he would always be um you know kind of telling (laughs) you know stop worrying about fixing the blankets you know he'd yell about the blankets being messed up but then he would say ah stop stop messing with the blankets you know bring graze that horse do this you know put the horse in the ice tub and and uh I, I know what you mean though when you say how how you felt like um you know like like it, it's not just a pat on the back it's it, it's like uh you know uh, not vindication but uh you know you've you've made it when he says something yeah. like that you know and and uh, uh, that's no just clue. how he made you feel,
1: yeah, yeah, that's uh, how he made exactly. you feel and, and no, uh, and that and, I, and when i took that i mean i i took that in mean, that relationship. Went from there to. I mean, I watched the Priorists with Amazon Corps. I watched it with him at the end of the shoot in the paddock. He and I standing there watching the race, and uh, you know, he high fived me. I mean, he turned around, high fived me, about knocking me down, and uh, <laughs> and I mean, I you know, I, I I tend to glorify it, but but you know, you do you do take great pride in what you do. I think everybody should, and I, I remember that moment. And going back to the office and writing that story, and feeling such a um, such a responsibility that you know, for everyone to try to to appreciate and experience what it was like to watch. Essentially, I mean, it was it was his last Grade One. You know, the great Alan Jerkins, the great Hall of Famer, our hero, and I watched his last Grade One win. And I watched it with him, and he and I walked up the. Walked up the racetrack, you know he's crying and talking, and the crowds going just wild and uh he and I just walking up the track and uh that was really special, you know, to be able to bring that to people and I mean that's what you that's what we try to do every day, and I think that's that's what we you know really really try to do that do it well and and uh, you know like that was just. I mean, out of all the races, all the stories, that 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 is the one that, that always stands above all of them. I, you know, to to take. I mean, I was like, I was doing radio, and I was like, I was about to watch the race in the Winter Circle because the radio for Mike Penna, uh, horse raising radio network, I was there, and I thought, well, I better watch it from here because the 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 service is better, and if I go, and I thought. The hell am I doing? I'm a writer. I'm staying here in the winter circle by myself because I'm worried about the radio coverage. And I just—I remember just it was like two minutes to post, and I just sprinted through the crowd and went down, got down to the shoot, and there was the chief. And then I got to play cool because I don't really want him to know I'm there because mm-hmm. I don't want him—I don't want it to affect how he is going to react, you know, and she wasn't a favorite by any means. You had no idea if she's going to win. And I figure if she loses, I'm just going to slink away. And he's never going to know I was there. You know, I just remember that was just, uh, man, that was a special moment.
0: Yeah. There was, there was so many times where, um, it'd just be me and him. And that, that will, and that's what I try to tell people. It, it's those were the moments like when it's just you and him and he asks you something like he'll say, well, you know, how do you think that horse is doing? and he's saying it not, not to like test you. He he actually wants to know what you think. And, and, and it's like, man, this is like the pinnacle for a, a young horseman trying to, to, you know, to learn his craft. You know, here, here's this guy asking you things. And, and the one thing about, and, and this, someone asked me this one time and they're like, what's so great about him? I mean, like he never won a breeder's cup. He never won a derby. You know? And eh. I said, it's not the numbers. I go, it's not the numbers. It, it's something different. And he's kind of a, a, a holdover from a, uh, an era that's, that's gone, that's, that's gone and, and not coming back. Um, you know, just the way he did things, I said, but even in that era, he, he stood out and I said, um, you know, like, it's just, uh, hard to describe, but like when I was a kid, uh, you know, he was, you know, him and, and Woody Stevens really were the guys in New York. And Woody won more of the, um, you know, the famous races, the big, the, you know, the the grade, the the derbies, and the the Belmonts and such. But but Allen won everything else. And you know, the horsemen, you when you when you when you talked and you you heard horsemen speak in reverence of of the guy, it, you know that that's something in itself because horse racing is not a game that um I mean most people are putting uh, uh rival trainers are are trying to put arrows in 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 your yeah, in your, sure. your, your other trainers. You know, it's a competitive business and um and certainly everybody always wants to to get the good horses, the good owners, but uh you know just just I, I mean I was so fortunate how everything worked out and, and I worked for some other great trainers. I mean I wanted to working for Thomas Giffington who was who was a tremendous horseman and uh Yeah great trainer. I mean people now have kind of forgotten about him, but he was really the The first kind of turf only guy, and, and he had some good dirt horses as well. But he was a guy that concentrated on the grass, and it's hard for people that are just getting in the game now to to realize that uh, you know twenty thirty years ago there wasn't seven eight grass races a day. There was two, right, and, or one, exactly. and, and uh, yep. it, it was just a different um, a different thing. And grass racing is great, and I and I think you know the the, the game has uh, certainly benefited from from having more and more of it but um you know working for tommy you know who was a an excellent steeplechase rider as well and it was when he was riding it was a little bit before my time and he did most of his riding um over in europe so uh, it's not like it is now where, where you can you know watch races you can walk down the street at two o'clock in the morning and watch races from, from all over the place right so yeah. you know the coverage wasn't like it is now but you know apparently sure. he, he was a he was a really top you know top-notch good rider and he was a great horseman I, I worked for nick zito for a while i worked for wayne lucas for a while uh under jeff um I don't, you know jeff unfortunately um you know got hurt and, and passed away but jeff uh, focused, yeah. I, I worked for pete ferriola um <laughs> wow. at, at aqueduct uh a strictly acclaiming outfit i mean we were we were in and out i mean every day we he had three or four stalls and and they'd be full there. Full or empty, depending on uh, you know how, how the claim box went that day, um, you know. So I, I worked for a, a, a wide variety of guys, and you know all of all of whom were successful, and all of whom had completely different programs. And uh, it just it was a great education for me because uh, you know you're seeing things um, so much differently. And, and then when I worked for Alan. He, it was even more different than the other ones in that, um, you know, like, Wayne had a system. And he had to have a system because he had so many horses and they were interchangeable among the racetracks. Uh, you know, Nick, Nick was more of a, a, a field trainer, but he kind of had the same type of horses. He had We had all two-year-olds turning three, you know. Um, he, he was focused... that Back then, he was 100% focused on the, the derby, basically. Uh, you know, and like I said, Tommy had... Um, he had uh, mostly uh, turf horses, and uh, uh, he was training for Shadwell back then. Um, yeah. And uh, you know, like I said, Pete Farrell, you know, just just claiming, 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 claiming. So you know, there's just so many different ways of doing things, and uh, I think I think that's lost today. I, I don't think that the trainers at the top of the game train their horses a whole lot different than than the other the next guy. And I think part of it is because um, they have so many that you have to have a, a system that works for you and, you know, the individuality just kind of gets lost because, you know, I mean, to be frank, they've got a ton of horses coming in every year. So the ones that just don't seem to make it, you know, or don't seem to be like, uh, going to turn into steak horses, they don't really want to keep them around either. So, um, you know, it's just different. And, and I mean, we can lament all we want about, uh, about the old days, but their old days aren't coming back. But, um, yeah, I mean, the Saratoga Special, it's, it's, it's really, uh, I mean, it's a great paper. I'm not, I'm not saying that because you're here. I'm saying that because it is, and, and the writing is excellent, really, really excellent. And that's something that, you know, you go back over the history of horse racing, and, you know, like you said earlier, you're, you're a reader. I mean, horse racing has had some of the greatest sports writing done about it, um, grantland Rice and, and, you know, oh, and Joe Hirsch. Yeah. And uh, I mean, just, you know, uh, some of the greatest writers of, 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 you know, in this country, I'm not even talking about overseas, but, um, that's kind of a yeah. lost art as well in that, you know, virtually no, I, I don't think any track has a, um, ha, has a newspaper writer, right. That, that, that uh, covers horse racing. I don't think any of the dailies do anymore. um, no, it's changed a lot. You know, and there's a couple, you know, the racing form still has some guys and, um, you know, the blood horse and, and, and the industry trades, but even even so, it's, uh, you know, I think that we don't see um, some of the stuff that you guys do, the in-depth, uh, personal, um, catching a guy, you know, at the track, um, and, and like you said, there's so many owners at Saratoga uh everyone everyone's there and and i think that's you know the really the 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 greatness and hopefully this year it sounds like um it sounds like things will be back kind of to normal though it was a little unclear as to what the situation is going to be about uh, testing and, and whatnot but there's still a ways to go before we get there so hopefully things keep improving and and um you know we can at least have have some spectators because uh I had Tom on Tom law on and, um, before the Derby, not, not I mean, right before the Derby. And he, he's, he was like almost shook about how weird it was, Yeah, you know, how, how just kind of like, um, to, to be in that grandstand and, and look left and right and, and, and not see anybody. It's just, it's gotta be a, a you know, just an odd experience.
1: Yeah, he said to me late in the meet last year, I mean, he really, did, Joe and I, we didn't go at all. We didn't have any interns, didn't have anybody up there. It was just Tom Lawless, sandaling the whole thing. And uh, near the end of the meet, he said, uh, I could tell how tired he was. He's just worn out by it all. and uh he said, I've never wanted anything to be over more than this. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. You just hear this, like, just... I think it's Friday for everybody it's such a struggle just to put it on and be able to pull it off and I, mean, I had hats off to them I, I wasn't sure I wasn't sure they were making the right move and wasn't sure they were going to be able to pull it off last year and uh they did and i hope uh I sure hope there's some semblance of of a, you know of, of the normal Saratoga. I don't think it'll be back to the normal like we've known to love, but hopefully it'll be back to some sense of uh, you know, the passion and pageantry of Saratoga. I, I, I don't know if it will, but um no, that was tough, you know. I mean that was I mean, I didn't go at all and stayed here. It was just man just like really unnerving not to be there, you know, not to not to uh like I said, I've been going every summer. I was there every summer since eighty nine and most summers before that. So, uh it was uh it was strange not being there. I like everybody. I didn't have any worse than anybody else, and, and luckily I'm not. And luckily, I'm healthy. And there's been a lot of tragedy and strife and despair around. So I think a lot of them are very lucky that we are where we are. But you yeah, well, know, it's tough.
0: Yeah, I mean, we, we were lucky as a sport to be able to continue. I mean, think of how bad things might have been for our industry had we not been able to continue.
1: No, oh, exactly. I mean, that's what I, I think. The, the key to horses. I mean, the one thing you always, you know, they they cost money every day, no matter if they're running, winning, whatever. And, uh, but if we didn't have racing, it would just been. It would have been just. It would have decimated our our sport for the owners, for the horses. For I mean, I don't know how people would have actually been able to go on, pay the bills without any chance of um, racing or you know recouping some of the investment. And, phew, to pay the help and pay everybody it was just so uh, no it's uh it, it was really just an uh, unbelievable feat that we've been able to keep it on the on the road like the we have
0: yeah that's that's true i mean down here in south florida we missed one day one day wow the whole, the whole year and that was uh um on a friday there was a one person that tested positive and they wanted to do a full cleaning of of uh the jocks room and all the surrounding you know buildings and that was it every every other you know we didn't didn't miss any other days so uh that that's you know we 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 criticize racing and, and we point out a lot of its flaws but the one thing that um people in racing and and just the sport in general has is, is perseverance and uh you know we're just used to just getting up and going to work because that's what we do and um it was uh it was the hardest thing when i when i stopped training is, you know you still get up <laughs> and, but, but like yeah, you know you you wander around the backside a little bit and then it's like man people don't really want to you know they're sick of looking at you you know so yeah uh, it's 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 a little it's a little different but i mean that that's uh, that's the one thing that sometimes I, I get a little bit sad when when i look around uh at the backsides and the people and think man you know we got to keep this going if if this goes away what are all these people gonna do and it's it's just kind of a a sobering thought sometimes that when you see these tracks like you know the Arlington situation and uh, I mean it's it's hard to believe there's no more racing in Boston and, and there hasn't been much I mean it's been right you know six eight days but um it's just kind of a sobering thing but uh do you have uh when is the, the jump season officially like kick off
1: uh, basically it's been pushed back, um, some, but it'll basically start in April, about mid-April with, uh, a race being called the Queens Cup. And, um, there's one small meet in Pennsylvania. And then there's the, um, the start is, um, is at the Queens Cup in, uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. So that'll really be the start. I and mean, there's a few jump meets, a few Maryland Cheshire points, points March 28th. I mean, Cheshire have one race there that's in pennsylvania and then there's some timber racing at my lady's manor and the grand national in april but the the real uh start of hurdle racing is is april 24th the queen's cup
0: you got anything uh you and your your people have anything uh we should be keeping our eye on
1: (laughs) of course always (laughs) uh i know i have some nice horses i think i've got two good novices um one named douglas road uh who won last year, and another horse named Lemonade Thursday, um, who's, who's, they're both actually non-winners of two um, allowance conditions, so hopefully they'll hopefully they'll come to Saratoga. Um, and then I've got a couple old steak horses, Jibber Farrow is a nice horse. Uh, he's run at Saratoga in the last few years. Hasn't won a grade one. He's in second, third, and grade one. Uh, won a grade two. He's a lovely old horse. Um, I think he's nine now. Uh, another horse named City Dreamer is a nice horse. And then uh, a few maidens, a few, uh, few new horses that hopefully will, uh, you know, we'll learn the game. And, um, you know, all roads to Saratoga, really. I mean, that's, uh, that's our big meet. So hopefully we'll come up there with some with some ammo, right?
0: Yeah, that's the place you want to show up with uh, with a couple uh live shooters for sure. And, uh th- this will be the first year and well basically my lifetime that uh that Mr. Shepard's not going to be there. He's not going to have anything. there.
1: Yeah. Kind of no, uh, a real end of an era. I mean, he's retired this winter and uh I mean, he's talked about a game changer. I mean, he did it all in our game. This the uh the the quintessential steeplechase guy right i mean it was uh, one person anybody had ever heard of and steeplechasing was John and shepherd able to you know he really did the crossover was able to succeed in flat racing and jump racing and an uh, unbelievable career
0: yeah he he was a, a nice guy too i mean he was so we stabled next to him for a little bit. One uh, my my first year of training, actually, they put me in the annex for a little bit while they were waiting to clear the barn over. And that's
1: good. We're trying to make you a jump guy. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. He was a uh, he, he was a. Guy, I mean, he won a race at Saratoga like every year from like 1967. I mean, some yeah, it's crazy, uh, like nuts. Just I mean, and remember, you know, people want to just say, "Well, he's just a jump guy." I mean, there was some years at, at Saratoga they run what you know seven or eight jump races. So it's not like they ran fifty, and he you know, exactly. he he clunked up in won one. I mean, we're talking about right. uh, you know that that's that's quite a streak. But um, yeah, it's kind of an end veneer, and yeah. But you know, like it's um, it's it just uh, I like the steeple chase races. I like watching them. I think they're uh, enjoyable, and I don't ever seem to ever bet on any winners. Whenever I go chalk, they always like run <laughs> up the track and. <laughs> I, I never can pick a long shot, but, um, <laughs> you know, I, I think sometimes, uh, th- there's a little, there's always a, a little grumbling about, oh, you know, these stupid jump horses, but, you know, and now they've made them the first race. And they're not in the pick five, you yeah. know, why that. Uh, I had, I picked up an old program, uh, not that long ago and it had, uh, the turf riders' cup was like the, the seventh race. Yeah. Um, no, I wanted
1: in, uh, I wanted in 1998, it was the feature. I mean, I, I came back and the crowd was, the uh, crowd was cheering. I mean, there was the entire grandstand full of uh, watching the race. I mean, it was, uh, I might've been the last time they ever had a feature. I mean, it was, it was an amazing experience, but no, it was a real, I mean, that's the way it was real. I mean, it had its real position there. I mean, it's still, it's still part of it, but it's certainly been, um, lessened and diminished and um you know i we touched upon before i mean i you know i watched and obviously i'm a steve chase guy but you know steve chasing was marginalized in a way from flat racing and um you know people really taking shots at it and knocking at the writers i mean they just they slammed steve chasing in new york for you know for decades and uh and now you look at flat racing being marginalized from the rest of the world, and you think, yeah. like, how how narrow minded can you be? I mean, I you know certainly certainly the more people that own the st- own racehorses uh, is a, to the benefit of everybody, or has a, has an interest in the sport, or plays the game, and you think of the people who came out of got their start in steeple chasing and made you know huge impacts on. on on flat racing and, and vice versa and um you know I go back through these steeplechase books there's 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 Paul Mellon you know presenting the trophy at the Virginia Gold Cup in 1973 I mean you know and then winning the race in another year uh you know Mrs. Phipps is a huge Mrs. Ogden Phipps is one of the biggest owners we ever had and uh, you know and that's where you just uh, you have to be really careful when you get a really narrow-minded view of something. I think everybody suffers and um, I think you really need to be careful of
0: that. Yeah, and I never really understood um, the disdain that some of those surf writers had for it because I mean, number one, no one's making you bet every race. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. mean, are they long? Are they a little different? Sure. But you're not talking about uh, six of them a day. You're talking about two a week. And uh I mean, just if you don't like them, then just don't watch them. But they they are part of the Saratoga experience. Uh, you know, you don't have that anywhere else. We you certainly aren't going to get much steeplechase racing at Aqueduct. So it's like, I mean, this is just part of the culture for for as long as you know any of us have been alive. Like, what is what is the harm done? And that was always the thing that that got me. And you know, once ah well they fall, it's, well they fall in our the races too. <laughs> you know and yeah. well, most of the time when they fall in the jump races they get back up uh you know so like yeah all right but uh, it's uh, there's always going to be some kind of negative talk but uh at this point i think that you know they, they've they've kind of you guys have, have settled into um a, a spot there and you, you ha- it sounds like uh i mean even though you ha- you're you know you're racing earlier in the day it's still it's still saratoga and it, it's still uh you know getting a chance to to run there and and to give you a good reason to go
1: um exactly no we got a good role there and look naira's been very supportive and uh you know we appreciate everything they do for us i mean they they were really godsend last year and um hopefully we'll come up there with some you know good horses and put on a good show again this year but um no they've been they've been great to us
0: who's the best just just quick who's the best jumper that you ever saw
1: uh, um I ever saw a guy, that's tricky. Um I mean I'd probably flatter, I guess. I mean what he did was unbelievable. I mean I was a little I wasn't really riding at the time, it was right kind of before I started riding, but you know, he was four time champion, set set you know, records carrying weight. I mean, he's carrying 100, 170 I think he won him carrying hundred and seventy eight pounds one day. <laughs> Went to England, was second in the champion hurdle at Cheltenham off off of no prep. I mean, had trained in in Pennsylvania, went over there without a prep. Won the Colonial Cup here in November, went and ran and finished second in the champion hurdle. To a horse named Steve then who was a three-time, he won three in a row. I mean, he's a serious horse. And uh, he went over there and got beat, Flatter went over there and got beat a length uh, in the champion hurdle, which is the absolute best hurdle race in the world. Then went back and finished second in the French champion hurdle. Um, he was probably the best. I mean it's just unbelievable what he did. Trained by Shepard, just uh man, he was a legend that horse.
0: Yeah, Flatter Yeah, there's other uh...
1: great ones. Wants some glory was an awesome horse. Same thing. Took it on the road, went over went to England and won twice. Mm-hmm. Uh Goodnight Shirt horse I was involved with. He was a lovely horse. Um you know
0: so, who was the best horse you ever rode?
1: You know, I rode some. I rode some really good horses. I just never. I didn't ride them a lot. I mean, I rode Flat Top, who was champion. I, I won a stake on him, but I didn't ride. I think I only rode him twice. Um, I rode Victorian Hill, who was leading money winner of all time for for a long period. Actually, lovely old horse. I won twice on him. Rowdy Irishman won the grand national on him, you know, very good horse. Um, I never had that sort of standout horse that was, a, you know, like that everybody knew me for, I mean, I rode of um, a lot of horses, but, um, another horse Two Ridley was very good. He, uh, I won I think four stakes on him. He's a lovely horse, but I never had that kind of, you know, one premier horse that I rode consistently. Um, always kind of missing part of my career but who
0: who in your mind was was the best uh the best other than yourself of course the best jump rider you saw
1: uh well joe aitchison is just he's he's the greatest of all time in this country he uh he won 440 races um which will never be topped i mean he was uh multiple champion just an idol of mine i mean just the greatest um he was kind of before my time. I mean, I was Mm -hmm. growing up like in the seventies watching him ride. Right. Um, but he was just a legend. I mean, he's just a real hero of mine. Um, unbelievable guy. I mean, uh, hard as nails, tough, you know, (laughs) just, uh, loved it. Um, he was great. Um, he was, he's the all time great. Those guys fishback was very good. Tommy Skiffington was very good. um, Guys, I rode with uh, Blythe Miller was brilliant. I mean, I look back, you know, really appreciate what she did now. Then I was too probably competitive to appreciate it, but what she did on horse, horse, unbelievable, real finesse and great hands, really allowed horses to run the way they wanted and won a lot of races. Um, Her brother, Chip Miller, great rider, same thing, great hands. Uh, Matt McCarran was very good, Gus Brown was very good. Um, Jonathan Kaiser probably was, the. he was probably, he was the best I ever rode with, right. um, young kid, died young. I mean, it's just a tragic, tragic, um, just a terrible, uh, he died right before Saratoga in 2000. I think he was 22 years old and, uh, died falling off a rope swing. I mean, here's a steeplechase jockey, living on the edge. and Yeah. Um, died so tragically, but he was absolutely brilliant. I mean, just, uh, he had won like 80 some races in four seasons or something, which was just crazy. But I won 152 over 13. So you could kind of put it in perspective. He would have, he could have, he would have broken, probably would have never got to Acheson's numbers because the game was so different, but he was, he was the best. He was the best I ever rode with for a young kid to have that kind of talent. Just, and he didn't know it. I mean, didn't even like he was just a phenom without even right. Like, He's a kid who just you know some kid in the backyard throwing a you know throwing a tin can 100 miles an hour. I mean, didn't even know what he was doing. Just amazing,
0: just natural.
1: Yeah, just a pure natural born to be a jump jock he loved it appreciated it respected it enjoyed it loved it had his issues i mean certainly you know kind of kid that lived on the edge we all hoped he was going to grow up and uh and survive and uh just didn't it's terrible man he just he took all he took a little bit of all of us that day just none of us are ever the same yeah
0: yeah and they they have a a, a stake named after him at saratoga Yeah, yeah
1: exactly yep
0: yeah that was i i was just starting out and i' did, honestly i didn't know him at all and, and uh, I remember hearing about it and just thinking, wow, like here's a guy that that rides jumpers for a living and and you know you'd think uh I, at that age you know when i remember when 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 we were that age we thought we were invincible too and
1: yeah tough. exactly i mean he was just uh oh it's just tragic i just um This day, it's just still, uh, I think about them a lot. We talk about them a lot. We, um, just amazing how life can go, uh, go a different direction.
0: This is true. Split second. What if we got a, uh, uh, a senior league, uh, race at saratoga could could we put you on one you're still gonna be (laughs) man could you you do the the, could you do the flatterer 178 could you do that yeah exactly (laughs)
1: i once uh there's a guy named harry miller who worked for the blood horse sold advertising for the blood horse and he wanted me he wanted me to ride in the the high hope charity race he Uh kept begging me about it kept asking me to do it and then this years after i retired and I kept trying to explain it. I, I didn't, It just, no, I just didn't, I didn't have any interest. I just didn't do it. You know, I didn't want to do it. And he's like, oh, come on for me. It'll be, and I finally, I said, Harry, let me put it to you this way. You've spent your life selling advertising. Now, and every time you sell, every time something goes wrong and you're at you don't sell an ad or somebody doesn't pay or somebody says no your desk flies up in the air lands on top of you and the entire office runs over you that's every time something goes wrong and i said and now you've finally gotten out you've retired you never have to sell another ad for the rest of your life and then somebody comes to you and says you want to sell advertising for fun and he looked at me and said got it i'll never ask you again
0: <laughs> that's, that's that's a great way of putting it. I, I remember I, I asked I asked Jean Luc Samin one time. I said, Jean-Luc, you ever consider riding a, a, a jumper? And he said, Are you mad? <laughs> I said, Why? You're you know, you're you're European, you know, you you should be like And and, and he was like the, the, they're madmen. and then he, he whispered he goes i don't think they make them take the breathalyzer either <laughs> oh look i
1: loved it i mean i loved it and uh it's something that i just i cherish and appreciate and enjoyed and um it took me while people asked me they said do you miss it and i it took me a little while to figure it out and i said I, I miss it like college i miss it like a time of my life I look back at college; it was a great time, great segment, great period of my life, right? But I, you don't, you don't go, man. I want to go back to college. I miss college, right? You look back fondly and say, "Well, college was great. It was four years of my life, I enjoyed it." But that's how I look back at riding. It's just,
0: just who I was then, and
1: um, it was brilliant. I loved it. Great, great memories, but. I don't. I don't yearn to do it again. I can tell you that much.
0: I'm. I'm. I'm pretty sure that I could not relive my college experience and actually come out living. <laughs> exactly, <right. laughs> I, I stay up late. One, if I stay up to midnight, then I've paid for it for two days. <laughs> exactly. But, uh, exactly. Yeah, you're only young once, though. So. Yeah. Hey, exactly. listen, Sean, it, It's been. Uh, it's been great having you on, and, and I appreciate you coming on and giving us so much time um, today. And I uh, mean, you know, obviously, we you know, bring, I, I didn't want to just bring you on because of the, uh, the situation though, over in Ireland, but you know, you're the guy you're, you're our chase guy. So, and you know, the guy personally, and I thought that, uh, you'd be a good guest to have on anyways. And, and I appreciate, uh, you know, your candor and, and, uh, uh all your input.
1: Oh, thanks for having me on the show. I, um, I appreciate it. And, um, hopefully we've shed some light on, on different topics. And, um, and hopefully we can, you know, try to do our part to to be. I always I use the word custodians. I think all of us are custodians of the sport, and we need to do our parts. And I appreciate all the all the all the all the time and effort you put in our game.
0: Uh, likewise, and uh, maybe uh, I'm definitely going to try to make it up to Saratoga at some point this this summer, and, and uh, hopefully you're there as well.
1: That would be great. I'd love to see
0: you there. All right, Sean. Thank you again. All right, thanks, Sean Clancy. Uh, really good, really good guy. Guy who loves the game, and um, he, he's he's a an exceptional writer. He really is. His, his stuff is great. And um, I, you know, I, I should have asked. I don't even know. I don't know. You know, you mentioned college. I'm not sure what he even studied in college. I don't know if he was a an English major or, or, or what, but, uh, he's a, he's a really good writer. And, um, you know, the best writers, you can feel their emotions coming through the writing and and you can certainly feel it with him and, uh, him and his brother, Joe have have really put together a, a great paper. And, uh, that's, it's part of the Saratoga experience now is, is that paper, uh, coming out. And I mean, most of us look at it online. Um, but, uh, every morning it's, it's there. And, uh, it's a, it's a really good thing and uh, he's a, he's a good guy and he he was he's a little better rider than than he gives himself credit for. I mean, he won 157 races. He he won uh, uh five or six grade 1s. So um he's uh he's a good guy. Um we'll be back next week. Uh we have uh couple Derby preps coming this week. It's a little bit light. Um but uh the schedule is going to really start to pick up, um, with the, uh, the hundred point races as loom, the rebel is in two weeks and, uh, the Gotham, I think is the, the Tampa Bay Derby. Uh, I might actually be going to Tampa Bay for the Derby this year. might sneak over there Saturday for that race. And, um, um, that's kind of, uh, you know, we, we have the, the Florida, the Florida route to the triple crown, uh, Uh, That's the second-to-last race, as the the, the Florida Derby will be uh, April 3rd, I believe, in uh, the Tampa Bay Derby this weekend. Uh, It's getting close. We're less than 60 days away. So hopefully everyone has a good week, and uh, good luck if you're betting, and good luck in any endeavor. Thank you, Casey. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll talk to you next week.
1: This is the Going in Circles podcast, hosted by Horseman, Chuck Simon. To become a sponsor,
0: to suggest topics, or for questions, email podcast at gmail.com. And log on to our Facebook page, Going in Circles podcast. Why in the past decade has BRL Equine become the premier equine supplement company in the industry? Because we spend millions in research and development before we ever put out a product because we use only FDA supervised facilities to manufacture for us. Because what we say is in them, is in them. Because they work. Because if you're not happy, I'll give you your money back. And because top trainers and veterinarians in thoroughbred racing, standardbred racing, three-day eventing, and barrel racing, all trust in BRL Equine. Shouldn't you? To find out more how Flexify HA Unlock Bleeder Shield and EPO Equine can help you, contact me, Joseph Ferrante, 215-501-6880.